Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Come on. Good morning, Oceans Church. Man, well, again, my name is Joel. It is an honor to be here hanging out with you. Uh, like Pastor Mark said, I've known him since I was in the seventh grade. Uh, I was I was a little guy. I was a young guy. He was also a young guy. Uh, he still is, right? Uh, but I met him when he was 18 years old. And you know one thing I love about our pastor, Pastor Mark, is the guy you see right now, that was the same consistent man that I grew up with, that, that when he was leading my small groups, when he was pastoring my rowdy friend group, when he was uh, driving out of his way to pick us, us up for youth group, the same consistency. So I've gotten a chance to see him for the last 20 years, not put on an act on stage, but be exactly who he is at all times. And I'm so grateful for our pastors, pastors Mark and Rochelle. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. So we love you guys so much. We miss you. Uh, and, and we're just so grateful for them. Well, again, uh, like he said, my name is Joel. My wife and I, my wife is Mel. She was the, the, the good looking girl leading our band today. Uh, we moved down here three and a half years ago, uh, really on a prompt and a word from God saying, we want you to do something outside of your comfort zone. We moved here with pastors Mark and Rochelle from Idaho. You saw the snow in the background uh, from where Pastor Mark was. I don't miss that. Come on, I'm, I'm glad that cold to me now is 50 degrees. I don't miss scraping the, the frost off my window. I don't miss starting the car up 30 minutes before you actually have to drive it. Come on, anyone else know what I'm talking about, or did you all grow up here, okay? I don't miss that. Praise God that we live. Let's give one quick hand clap for God that we just live in Orange County. Thank God. Praise him. Well, hey, if this is your first time, uh, we want to say welcome. Please come back next week uh, when Pastor Mark is here. He's just the absolute best. We love him so much. Uh, he has an incredible word. We're going to start a new series next week, and it's going to blow your mind. Come on. So today, if this is your first time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk uh, about a big idea that God's been speaking to me for about 25 minutes, and at the end of it, I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to get out of here. Sound good? I do believe this, though, that today, when I said this earlier, that you picked a good Sunday to be in church, here's the reason why. I believe that today is the day that you can encounter Jesus in a real way. Today is the day that you can hear his voice. Come on, that broken bodies can be healed, that you can really get answers to life's big questions. I don't just say that. Come on, we really believe it. So today, what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and get out a notebook or even the notes on your phone uh, and, and take a couple of notes today. Our pastor says this, that paper it, it never forgets. And I'm so grateful for that because if there's anything today that jumps out to you, whether it's a Bible verse or a thought, you can go ahead and write it down because maybe you don't need it today. But maybe next month when you're reviewing your notes, it, it, it's going to apply to a season of life that you're in. Maybe a year from now when you're doing some review and reflecting on all that God did in 2022 at the end of next year, you can see, man, God, you really started that work that last Sunday of 2021, that last Sunday in December. So I would encourage you to write some notes. Paper does not forget. And I do believe that God is going to speak to us today. We're in a series. This is the, the last message in our series, Christ the Lord. Really, the idea of that is we believe that there's only one Lord in our life, that there should only be one ruler, one person leading and guiding. And a lot of times, I think we get our priorities out of whack when we don't put Jesus Christ as number one, when we maybe put our careers or our families or other things that we're worried about as number one. We tend to get a little bit out of order. 
So what we've been talking about with Christ the Lord is really just putting God back as the number one priority, putting our, our hope in him, and even importantly, putting our trust in him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to put our trust, come on, in Jesus, how to put our trust in God. And we're going to read a passage out of the Old Testament. We're going to read out of the book of Judges. That's a strong book, the book of Judges. We're going to read about a man named Gideon, one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. Gideon was a, was a man, uh, he was an Israelite. He was experiencing a time where the children of God, where Israel was oppressed by outside forces. The Midianites were oppressing them. There was a, a, a war on Israel. They were attacking them. They were cruel and calculated in their attacks. Anytime that the Israelites would get a little ahead in society or plant a new crop or build a new section of their village, the Midianites would swoop in and just destroy it. So we're going to pick up a part of the story where Gideon is actually doing his normal job, but he's hiding because he doesn't want to be found out by the Midianites because if they find him, they're going to take anything that he's advancing with. They're going to take anything that he's worked so hard for. And this part of the story, it's several generations after God rescued the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Gideon has grown up. Come on, you guys saw the movie Prince of Egypt, right? You remember that? All the plagues and, 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 and the score and Val Kilmer, and it was awesome. Uh, but so Gideon... He never saw the movie, but uh, his grandparents saw the movie. They lived it, right? So he heard stories from grandma and grandpa. He heard stories of how incredible God was, about how he came down like a fire column, how he moved like a cloud, how he brought down the plagues on their enemies. He heard these cool stories, but where Gideon was in his life is he was experiencing a life where these stories weren't real to him. He was experiencing a time where he was oppressed and attacked every day for who he was and where he came from. So this is where we're going to pick up this story in Judges chapter 6. And we're going to start Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Verse 11, it says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abysrite. These are fun words. Uh, while his son Gideon, here's our hero, right? Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press. He was hiding in a cave in a wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon looked over his right shoulder and his left shoulder. And he said, You're talking to me? Uh, Gideon said, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Have you ever asked that question or been asked that question? Why do good things happen to bad people? God, if you are that good, God, if you are real, why do I look around on my left and my right and see all the bad things happening to me, my family, and my country? Gideon asked this question. He says, where are all these miracles that our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of our enemies. Here's what I love about God is he, he bypasses Gideon's dysfunction. He doesn't answer his question. He just reiterates who Gideon is. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you, Gideon, shall lead and save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Are you guys grateful that sometimes God doesn't respond back to us with our little questions that we have for him? Because he has the big picture and the big plan in mind. Gideon said, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. He was the smallest man in the smallest clan. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. 
Man, that's all you need right there. And you shall defeat the Midianites as if you were just one man, as if you were just one man. Can I pray for you? God, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. God, we pray for open heavens over Big Parkway. We pray for open heavens, even for those watching online, on their cell phones, laptops, and televisions, that you would just speak to us today and teach us how to put all of our trust in you. Put our trust in you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Put our trust in God. Man, trust is a funny thing to learn, right? Because when you're learning trust, you have to be put in situations where you are uncomfortable, where it's not fun to be in, right? I, 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 uh, I don't, I have a hard time, I think, trusting in general, probably because I like to be in control. Anyone else honest? I don't like to ride shotgun. I like to drive because I want to be in control, right? This weekend during, during our rain, which is Orange County's version of a blizzard, uh, I don't like riding in the back seat. I want to be in control. I want to be driving this thing. Uh, maybe I have control issues and we can talk about it afterwards. Uh, but I, I have a hard time sometimes putting my trust into other things that I have no control over. Uh, I, I remember uh, this last year, it's like a year, a year or so ago, I got into uh, mountain bike riding. Learning how to trust those yahoos that took me out on the mountains. That was fun. I remember I was mountain bike riding with my friend Joe Russell uh, and Pastor Mark. We all went out. It was my first time, first time really ever on the trails. And uh, we decided to ascend the biggest hill I've ever seen in my life. I think the, the sign at the bottom of the hill said, you know, you go left towards like Bunny's Cove and right is Hell's Canyon. We went right. I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? So we huff it up this hill. And now, now that I'm on top of the biggest hill I've ever, I've ever seen, I'm not looking down. The biggest hill I've ever seen in my life. There's rocks, there's cacti, there's rattlesnakes probably, um, and I'm I'm having a hard time. Uh, I, I've never been on a hill this big, uh, and and uh, Joe, he's he's a great coach. He's teaching me. He says, you know, okay, you got to keep a low profile, and uh, you know, don't fall. I'm like, all right, check noted. I won't fall. Good good advice. And he said, all right, you're gonna want to hold the handlebar. This is idiotic. You're going to want to hold the handlebar as if you had a soft egg in your hand. That sounds stupid. I want to grip the handlebar. I want to choke it. I don't want to fall off this thing, right? He's like, no, no, no. Keep it loose. He's like, just relax. You're, you're going you're gonna to be fine. I didn't feel fine. Uh, and on top of that hill, I, I'm starting to recall all the experiences I've had with mountain bikes up until this point, you know, growing up in Idaho on, on the, the, the sweet baby hills of of Boise, Idaho. I've only ever experienced, you know, Walmart brand mountain bikes. I'm like the bikes that I've been on, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to die. We're not making it down this hill. Uh, And Joe said something so powerful to me. I will never forget it. He said, Joel, trust the bike. It's built for this. He said, trust the bike. It's built for this. So all you got to do is just not let go and keep your balance. The bike is built for this. So as you're taking notes today, I want to give you my title, what we're going to learn about today. I want you to write down this title, Built for This. Built for This. Built for This. We have, come on, as people, as children of God, we have the ability to do what God has asked us to do because he made us that way. He built us that way. He looked at Gideon and said, I know your capacity because I'm the one that formed you. Those big dreams and desires that are in your heart that God has given you, those things that maybe sometimes seem overwhelming, God knows that when you partner with him, you can accomplish it because you're built for this. Because he's the one who formed you. He's the one that created you. He's the one, come on, that even gave you those big dreams and desires. 
Sometimes it feels scary to step out and do the things that God asks us to do. Come on, sometimes we get a little bit nervous. Like when I'm at, on top of that mountain, I'm, I'm very nervous. Uh, I, 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 said, I said the Lord's name several times flying down that mountain when we went over the top, when I finally got the courage, right? But it's nervous, it's scary sometimes to step out and do something new. But God is wanting to remind us that he is going to be with you and he's going to walk with you every step of the way. God is asking us to trust in him and to take a risk for him. Here's the interesting thing about risks, right? There's two types of risks. Uh, there's one risk that's kind of a stupid risk, right? Like, oh, to be risky just, just for riskiness sake, right? Like, don't, don't be unwise in your risks. Like, don't, don't empty your savings account to invest into your cousin's startup uh, just because you want to be risky, right? Uh, uh, maybe some of you missed that. Maybe your cousin started Tesla. I don't know. Maybe you should have done that. Um, <laughs> But we don't want to be risky just for the sake of being risky. God is asking us to take risks partnered with the Holy Spirit. What does a Holy Spirit type of risk looks like? It looks like Gideon standing up and becoming a leader to lead his people out of bondage, to lead his people out of captivity. God is asking us to take great risks. When Gideon took a great risk, I remember reading this and even asking myself, and it's the question I want to ask you today, have you taken a risk for God recently? Have you taken a Holy Spirit type risk? When I watch that Angel House video and I hear Lindsay's story, man, that's a risk that she took to be in an environment and to get the heart of God for these kids and just to blurt out and say, I'm going to build a house. We'll build a home for these kids. I don't have resources. I don't know what the plan is, right? But just to step out and take a godly Holy Spirit led risk to say, there's something wrong here and I need to change it. There's something wrong here and I can't sit back any longer. I have to do something about it. When's the last time you've taken a risk? When we do risky things, sometimes it gets us excited. Sometimes it gets us nervous. I remember uh, uh, taking a risk about 10 years ago and asking Mel out on our first date. Risky. I don't know how I convinced her to meet up with me. I, 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 I dressed way better after we got married than before we got married. I had no sense of fashion, no sense of style, and, and we had just completed uh, Bible college. Come on, completed Bible college. We had just completed Bible college, and, and uh, I remember asking her to come with me. You know, we're, we're good Christian Bible college students, so I asked her to come to Starbucks with me. When a good Christian asked another Christian to go to Starbucks, I might as well just proposed. So we're in Starbucks, and uh, I'm trying to get the courage to tell her kind of how I feel about her. And uh, I'm talking about nonsense for probably an hour. I'm not talking about really anything that I meant to talk about. And we get to the end of it, and she's checking the time, and she's like, okay, this is a true story. Says, is, I got to go. Is there, any, is there anything else? <laughs> yeah. I said, well, uh, the, what I want to talk to you about was, uh, uh, I said this phrase, I said, Mel, I'm, I'm crazy about you. Yeah, I know. Sealed the deal. Locked it up. I said, I'm crazy about you, uh, and I'd, I'd like to date you. And, and I said those words, and I waited for her response, which felt like another hour of silence. And when she did start talking, do you guys remember the old uh, Peanuts cartoon when they're in school? What does the teacher sound like? Uh, uh, wah, wah. She's saying words that aren't making sense to me. It's not a yes, but it's not a no, so I'm hanging in there. She's just talking, 
trying to compose herself because the man of her dreams just asked her out, right? <laughs> I'm not making eye contact with her, but she's just saying stuff, and she ends it. She goes, well, I think maybe I could possibly see myself one day liking you too. That's all I need. Thank you. No, really, thank you. I said, so is that day like Monday? Cause like I'm free. Like what day, what day are we talking about? Doing something risky. Come on, there's an excitement that goes with doing something risky out of the ordinary. Why don't we like being risky? Cause we don't like to fail. I didn't want to get rejected in that Starbucks. So it could have been easier just to not even present the idea. But here's the thing that I was keeping in my mind is that the reward is going to outweigh the risk of failure. The reward is going to outrisk, outweigh the risk of failure. When God asks us to do something risky, when he asks Gideon to step up and become a leader and lead the people of Israel, the reward of freedom is going to outweigh the risk of failure. He was risky with God, risky with God. Mel and I, every year, uh, we started doing this a couple of years ago at the, at the start of the new year. I love New Year's. I love January 1. I have a background in sales. So at the beginning of every year, I love just that fresh start, that clean slate, right? You're like, all right, I'm going to hit my sales goals this month uh, in sales. That means you don't do anything for three weeks and then you hustle really hard the last week of the month, right? <laughs> It's the sales guys that are laughing right now, but I love, I love a new, I love a new year. I love a new month and I'm a goals guy. Uh, I like making lists. Uh, my wife says I'm an achiever, uh, whatever Enneagram that is. And, uh, so I like creating goals and I like accomplishing them. But a couple years ago, we started making, turning our goal, uh, list for the new year. We call them our risks for the new year. So we write down a list of the Faust family risks. Fast family risk. Why do we do that? It's because goals are something that we could strive for, but a risk, you need to partner with God. And we started writing down risky things. Like we're going to give how much to Angel House this year? Let's write it down. That's going to be, that's risky. We're trying to save up and take care of our own house, right? And God's asking us to take care of other people's houses. We're going to uh, give of our time. We're going to give of our idea. We're going to help this ministry. What are the risks that we are being asked to do this year? And we would write them down. And I would challenge you this, I, for, for us, those risks, we want our risks to be so big that if God comes through on half of them, it'd be the best year we ever had. We want our risks to be so big that if God came through on one of them, it would be the best year we ever had. Risky, risks are what you need to partner with God with to see accomplished, to see those accomplished. Do something risky for God. I remember us having this conversation even three and a half years ago when we moved down to Orange County. I turned down my dream job, my literal dream job. If I could write the description and the position, uh, it was offered to me and I turned it down because we got a word from God saying, you're going to move to California and you're going to be a part of a church with pastors Mark and Rochelle that's going to change the world. And we didn't move down here for a job. We moved down here for a call. And a lot of you know my story, but when we first moved down here, Mel and I, we did not work at the church for the first year. Mel didn't work here for the first year and a half, right? And what we did was we had to get our own jobs. I, I, I got a job slinging cars in Corona, California. Praise God. And uh, uh, there were moments when we were here and we were struggling to pay bills. And we're like, we can really look at ourselves and say, God, what on earth are we doing? We had a good setup. We had a good life. We had a good job opportunity. 
And God said, do you want good or do you want great? And what motivated us is that when we packed up our one-year-old baby girl and we drove her across the country, took her away from all of her, from her cousins and her grandparents to be a part of this movement, when the church only had eight people in it, by the way, when we moved down there, I, we had this conversation that we want to live a lifestyle, Mel and I do, to where our daughter can look at our example, not our daydreams. We want our daughter, when she gets older and God starts asking, asking her to be risky and do big things for God, she doesn't have to look at mom and dad and say, what would you have done differently? She can look at mom and dad and say, what did you do? We want to do risky things to be a great example, to leave a legacy for our kids, to leave a legacy for those that come after us and behind us. So how do we take big risks for God? It's a question that we're asking today. Well, uh, I'm going to give you three points here as we ask the question, how do we take big risks for God? Well, number one, the first step to taking big risks is to be faithful with the small things. Be faithful with the small things. What are the small things right now that God has asked you to do that he's asking you to be faithful in? For Gideon, that was to collect the wheat. His small task was, hey, you are going to grab the wheat. You are going to grind it up. You are going to feed your family. You are going to avoid the enemy. It's the small task that he was asked to do. He was hiding from the enemy, but he was faithful in the little task. What are the small tasks that God has asked you to do? I would challenge you right now, whatever that small task is, don't underestimate the task at hand. Don't underestimate where God has you right now. A lot of times we want, we want God's big future for us right now. But God says, I, I have some steps that I need to walk you through before you get there. I have, come on, my mom's favorite word, character things that we need to iron out in you before we get there, right? And we want all that God has for us, but we want it our way and not his. And that's where trust comes in. We got to trust in God's plan, not our own plan. Amen? Don't underestimate the task at hand. I, I remember um, even talking to my parents about this. My parents... I have, I have wonderful parents, phenomenal parents, but they found Jesus and really got serious with Jesus really, really just not very long before I was born. They were going to a college ministry in Northern California, and I remember having this thought, uh, and just even for myself being appreciative, that over 30 years ago, there was a group of people in Northern California that weren't taking the small task lightly, that were setting up chairs in a college ministry so that my mom... My, my, my dad, colorful past, could come and experience Jesus, could be raised and mentored underneath pastors. And they, there were people volunteering in that ministry that were setting up the chairs, people volunteering in that ministry that were cleaning the bathrooms, that were watching the babies, not knowing that what they were doing would affect not just the lives of the people there, but their kids and their kids' kids. And my daughter is growing up in a household that loves Jesus because 30 years ago, someone didn't take their task lightly. And they went all in on the task at hand. They understood the assignment and they knew the risks. And they said, we're going to risk, risk it for Jesus. We're going to risk it partnered with God. When we choose not to risk, it also affects those around us. If Mel and I chose not to risk and be a part of Ocean Church, it would have affected my daughter's life. Come on, your kids, your cousins, your coworkers, their lives are affected by our inability to take a step towards the risks that God is asking us to do. When we are paralyzed by fear and we won't take that first step, there's people that need you. Listen, church, that needs you to be risky for God. There are people that are counting on you because you could be the answer to someone else's prayer. You could be the answer to some grandma that's been praying for her grandkids for years. You could be that answer, but we need to take that first step. 
Come on, whether it's a call to ministry, whether it's a nonprofit you're going to start, whether it's a book you're going to write or a business you're going to invent, whatever it is that God is asking you to do, we have to take that first step because lives are being affected whether we move or whether we stay. Without God, Gideon's task was impossible. Gideon's excuses were not wrong. His excuses were right. God, this is impossible. They, they are mightier than we are. They've been oppressing us. You haven't shown up like you did in the old days. His task was impossible. But the Bible says that our impossibilities become possible when we partner with God. Because with God, all things are possible. Amen? God said, I will be with you. And that's all we need. How do we take big risks for God? Be faithful with the little things. That's number one. Number two, man, this might be my favorite one. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Man, we have community. What I love about Gideon's story is that God told him, you're going to defeat them as if you're one man. He didn't say you're going to defeat them as one man. God brought in a small army around him. People with skills that Gideon didn't have. People with abilities that Gideon didn't have. It was a small army, but it was the right army. It was the army that God wanted to use to defeat the enemy and liberate his people. And there's a really cool verse in the very next chapter, in chapter 7. I had never read it before until I started studying this. But it says this in chapter 7, and I want to read it to you. Because God gives Gideon another layer of community, another layer of partnership. Because before their big battle, God has already promised that they're going to be victorious. God has, God has promised that they're going to be uh, uh, mighty in victory. And he tells Gideon, he says this in chapter 7, he says, Arise and go down to the camp. I've delivered it into your hand. He wants Gideon to scout it out, right? He said, But if you're afraid, if you are afraid to go down to the camp, bring Purah, your servant, with you. Bring your right-hand guy, Purah. Come on. Bring the homie, Purah, with you. If you're scared, bring Pura with you. The very next verse says, and Gideon brought Pura with him. <laughs> Don't do it alone. When God asked me to be risky for God, he said, this is how my story goes. And Joel, if you're scared, you bring Pastor Chris Bristol with you. And the next line says, and Joel brought Chris Bristol with him. <laughs> Come on. It says, if you're scared, you bring Tomcat with you. And Joel brought Tomcat with him. For Mel and I, it says, the Faust family, this is the plans that I have for you. And if you're scared, you bring a community of Ocean Church with you. And the Faust family brought the community of Ocean Church with them. Come on, who are the people around you that are encouraging you, inspiring you, and pushing you in the right direction? Can I ask you a follow-up question? Who are you being that person for as well? Come on, who, who is the Gideon that needs a Pura in your life? Who can you come around and be a voice of encouragement and support and say, no, you can do this. You can write that book. You can produce this. You can create that song. You can start that business. You can. You can. Come on. We all need community in our lives. And God is asking us not to do it isolated. He says, don't do it alone. Bring those around you. Bring the community with you. Bring the community with you. You know what I love about community and where you can find it? I'm going to speak to the 18 to 30 crowd here for just a second. Because today, this Sunday, listen to me, is the last day, day, that you can register for Oceans College. And I don't know how many people I've talked to that said, well, if, if, if this happens or if the chips fall this way or I can't do it, I, I don't want to do this. Your desire is for depth and community. Your desire is to know God at another level. And there's an opportunity for you that God is asking you to be a part of. I love what Chloe says. She says she quit her job before she got accepted. 
That's gangster, Chloe. That's crazy, right? But Chloe took a risk. Chloe said, this is risky. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to step out and believe that if God asked me to do this, that he's going to figure it out. And God surrounded Chloe with purrs. I can say, Chloe, if you're scared, you don't got to do it alone. So if you're between the ages of 18 and 30, man, I would implore you. I would, I would plead with you. You need to spend this afternoon and pray about doing Oceans College. Don't miss this window. Don't miss this window. Come on, we want to tell our kids about our examples, not our what ifs, not our dreams, what we wish we could have done. Amen? Amen. Don't do it alone. Do it with community. I remember um, uh, even in the early days when we moved to California, we were having those moments of working our tails off, you know, 100 hours a week or not being able to pay the bills and asking God, what on earth are we doing? I remember getting overwhelmed, getting a little, a little frustrated, which actually for me, uh, I'm very grateful for, uh, I think a strength of mine is I don't get overwhelmed pretty easily. So if I, if I start to crack, I'm like, oh gosh, this is, it's happening. Uh, I'm pretty steady Eddie, especially when crazy things are happening. But I remember feeling overwhelmed and, and even behind closed doors telling my wife, I don't know if, I don't know if I could do this. I'm, stre- I'm, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm, I'm getting crushed by the weight. I don't know. I don't know if I can handle this. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very overwhelmed by this call. And God brought me to Psalm 142. It says, it says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then God, you knew my path. And in a moment of being crushed and overwhelmed and not knowing what to do and not knowing if you should join Oceans College or not knowing if you should take this job or move out of state or, or pursue that, that business partnership. And in the moments of not knowing and being overwhelmed, God says, in those moments, that's when I know your path. That's when I have it laid out for you. We just have to lean and trust that God has it all taken care of for us. Amen? So how do we do big risky things for God? You know, number one, we're faithful with the small things. Number two, don't do it alone. Number three, this is important. We got to be willing to battle. You got to be willing to fight for the things that God's asking you to fight for. When he came to Gideon, he told Gideon, you're going to be free from the Midianites. But what he didn't say was, they're actually moving out right now. The U-Haul's here. They're going to pack up. They'll be gone tomorrow. Just want to let you know. He says, nah, Gideon, you're going to get some of the guys together and you guys are going to fight. But just know this, I'll be with you that I'll be with you. The Bible says that with God, when we partner with God, when we let Jesus into our life, it doesn't mean we're absent of work. He says there'll, there'll still be work, but here's the difference. He says that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. We're not omitted from work. We're partnered with work. We're partnered with work. You have to be willing to battle. You have to be willing to say, you know what? Like Lindsay did, this is wrong and I'm sick of this and I'm going to fight for these kids. Their goal was to build 100 homes. They haven't built 100 homes. To date, they've built 238 homes. Come on, Ocean Church. That's who we're partnering with. That's who we're standing up and saying, I'm willing to battle for these kids that have no one fighting for them. I'm willing to battle for those that can't battle for themselves. You know what is going to take more time in battle preparation? Freedom for your family. Come on, are you willing to battle? Are you willing to give more time? Because freedom for your family requires time. Completing that book idea that God gave you is going to require time. Right? Leaving a legacy for your children requires time. Are we willing to battle? Are we willing to stand up and fight? Are we willing to do it? I love the story of uh, uh, Queen Esther in the Bible. Our daughter's name is Esther, so we, who we named her after. But 
Esther's uh, cousin Mordecai says to her, he says, Esther, perhaps you were born, made, built for such a time as this. Perhaps you were built for this. And when Gideon is getting ready to go into battle, he's got the homie Pura on his right. He's got the small army, the crew behind him. And the Lord says, Gideon, you are built for this. For this time of liberation, you were built for it. For this time of freedom in your family, you were built for it. Your family needs a lighthouse to look up to you. I'm making you that lighthouse. You know what I love about when we pray to God and ask him for answers? Uh, I'd always heard it said that God answers prayers in, in one of three ways. You want to hear what they are? His answers are either yes, no, or not now. But uh, one of my heroes, Pastor Frank DiMazio, uh, he, he adds a fourth one. He says, sometimes God's answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not now. But other times it's do it yourself. You know what Gideon didn't know? When he was in the cave looking for God to show up to liberate him, God was looking for Gideon to show up to liberate them. God doesn't have to partner with us, but how cool is it that he comes down from the cosmos and says, mighty man of valor, you will lead these people. You will lead the children of Israel. You will lead them out of bondage and bring them into freedom. You could be the answer to someone else's prayer. You could be God's solution. I read a stat this week uh, in the state of California says that 47%, almost half the people that live in our state have actively considered moving out of state. Come on, does that sound about right? You're nodding your heads. About half the people in this state have actively considered moving out. Why? Because when it gets hard, when there's resistance, man, I could give you a list of 30 states that are easier to live in than California. But God is asking for those to stand up. We've had big influencers leave our state. We've had titans in business leave our state. We've had families leave our state. But where are the mighty men, the mighty women of God willing to stand up and say, no, I'm going to stand firm in the call that God has for me. I'm going to take a big risk to make a difference in this state. I'm going to do all that God has called me to do. I'm going to partner with those around me and we are going to make an influence in California because the eyes of America look to California and the eyes of California look to Orange County. We are called to make a difference. You are called to be that solution for somebody else. Church, could you quietly stand to your feet? When the, when the land cries out, so the Bible says that when the land cries out, when the people cry out for a savior, God raises up mighty women and men. Because when the land cried out, God appointed people to liberate. I look around this room and I see a bunch of men and women that God has appointed to liberate. Our county, our state, our families, your legacy. Come on, your workplaces, the sphere of influence that God has put you in. When God is asking you, he's saying, partner with me and we can do impossible things together. We can do impossible things together. Amen. We're looking to God for answers. And a lot of times God has given us the idea. He's given you the brain. He's given you the solutions. He's even given you the community. But it takes a first step. It takes a step that says, no, I want my kids to, to look up to me and what I am doing. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit, so, he's so good that if you're in this room and you have a thought that says, no, nah, I missed it. I'm too far gone from that window. I'm too advanced in years. I'm too far from God. I can't truly make a difference. I can't truly make an influence. God would come to tell you today. He says, hey, with me, all things are possible. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. God's not through with you yet. Man, God spoke to me this week as I was praying for you. There's going to be those in this room that need encouragement, that need a purah in their life. Come on, I'm going to pray for you that this church, this community is where you can find those purahs, where you can find that group around you that says, now let's, let's, take it, let's take a city together. Now we can do it. There's more of them than there are of us, but with God, all things are possible. There were people in here that were feeling overwhelmed and stressed out, buckling and breaking under the pressure of maybe life, family, work. And God is coming to you to say, you don't have to carry that on your own. Just give me that weight. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My burden is light. I believe there's those in here that maybe you're just living a life where you've just been completely stressed out. Come on, like most of us over the last two years. There's stress, there's anxiety, there's worry. I understand this, that Christmas time isn't great for everybody. It's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for people who have lost. It's hard for people who have experienced bad things. When you've asked God that question, God, if you're so good, why did this happen to my family? But you know what God did? This is so interesting. He bypasses Gideon's question. And God uses the oppression come on he doesn't he didn't cause it he's not oppressing Gideon God uses it to remind Gideon of how good he is to say nah Gideon you can make it through we will make it through God if you're so good why does this happen he says I am so good we're gonna make it through God taught me this a couple of years ago uh, when I was feeling really, really stressed out. It's one of my favorite phrases. Come on, if you, you join us in Ocean's College next month, you'll hear me say this a million times over the next nine months. But he told me, he told me this, just even the power of my words, because I, I, he said, Joel, stop telling people how stressed out you are. Justified, right? Gideon had justified excuses. But he said, stop telling people how stressed out you are. He said, there's power in your words. There's power in your voice. And he told me this, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. He said, don't, don't say you're stressed, that's negative. Say you're stretched. I'm not stressed, I'm stretched. Because stress has a negative connotation to it. But stretched, come on, that's like going to the gym. Your, your muscles begin to get stretched. You can carry more weight when you're stretched. You have a larger capacity when you're stretched. So people started asking me, like, hey, how you doing, Joel? I'm like... I'm stretched. It's been a stretching week. Come on, anyone having a stretching season right now? But God told me, he said, hey, give me that word. Give me that word and I'll, I'll, I'll take everything associated with it. Come on, give me that word. Let me replace your stress with peace. Let me replace your anxiety with hope. Let me re replace that, that downcast thought with joy. We give it to God. And He is so faithful. He is so good to meet you right where you're at. Church, can you close your eyes right now? I want to pray for you. Church, with your eyes closed all over the room, 
I feel, I feel his sweet presence, man. Those good vibes, that, that, that cool atmosphere, man. That's the presence of Jesus right now. And with every eye closed, I feel like God's telling me to take a moment to be your pura, to encourage you. If you're in here and you say, I need, I need some encouragement. I've, I've felt down and overwhelmed. I've felt discouraged. And you need some encouragement from the Holy Spirit. Can you just lift your hands towards heaven? I believe Jesus is so good. He's going to meet you right where you're at. God, I thank you for every single hand raised. God, whether I know their story or not, God, I know you do. And God, I pray you would bring encouragement to the areas that have been discouraged. God, I pray you'd bring encouragement to those thoughts that, that think our dreams are dead or I've missed it or I'm too far gone or I missed that window. God, won't you encourage your kids today? Remind them, mighty woman of God, mighty man of God, you will go out and you will conquer. You will be victorious. Though the enemy is many, you're partnered with Jesus and you plus God is the majority. So God, for those with their hands lifted, God, I pray you just bring encouragement to them right now. God, I thank you for Spencer and his family. I know your mom's standing next to you. God, I pray you bring encouragement to them in this time of the year. God, I thank you that you see them right where they're at. Come on, every eye closed. This is a special moment. God, I pray you begin to speak to them. God, I thank you that the Bible says that a man plans his or man plans his ways, but it's the Lord who directs his steps. God, I thank you that that's going to be Spencer's story. He's going to be one. He's a planner. He's a thinker. He's going to be one who plans his ways. But God, we are asking for a full trust into you that you be the one who directs his steps. God, I pray you give him new business ideas. God, I pray there be a total surrender at the areas of his heart that maybe have been discouraged or haven't been fully yielded to the goodness of God. God, I pray this would be a season and a moment where people who knew him from 2021 wouldn't recognize him going into 2022. And this would be a new season in his household. God, that he'd be able to tell his kids the legacy of what he did, not what he wished he could have done. God, I pray you do a great work in this family. In Jesus' name. Come on, eyes closed all over this room. God wants to encourage a couple of you this morning. Danny, I just believe for you and Chase, this is going to be a season of great victory. But the enemy is coming. He's so nasty. He's so evil. Where he has come in and tried to rob you of good ideas. Where he has tried to rob you of promises of God, the things that you feel like God has given you. He would say that no more. This is going to be a season of total victory. That this is going to be a season that God is bringing a small army around you. That he's bringing those purrs into your life to champion you and support you. And no longer will you be trained by leeches, but you will be supported by a group of encouragers. And say, Danny, you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have brilliant ideas. You have a beautiful mind. And God is saying, I'm going to download new ideas into you in 2022 that you would not have believed. And God, we cancel the assignment of the enemy that would try to attack just even God ideas that would try to attack the things behind the scenes. God, we cancel the assignment of the enemies that would bring in uh, snakes like a Trojan horse that would look one way but explode in their face. God, we, play, we pray only good and perfect things for the Kirkland family. God, we pray your favor over them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Come on, can I pray for a couple more people? Come on, keep your eyes closed. Man, I just believe there's people in here. You have, the, the thing that's overwhelming you is decisions in your business. You feel like you have a God idea or the position at your work has been God placed that those doors were opened by him. Well, maybe you're, a, you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you're a CEO. Maybe you're a, you're a manager of a, of a sector of your business. Maybe you're just starting a business. And that's, that's been, this is the phrase God gave me. What should have been a blessing from God has become your burden. The source of you being overwhelmed is, is from your job or from your business. Go ahead and lift your hand. God wants to encourage you today. God, I pray for all those in this room, God, that are maybe experiencing stress in the workplace, that are maybe experiencing the weight of even their decisions affecting those around them. God, we pray for the business leader, the business owner that's even considering a move out of California. That God, on paper, this makes sense. God, on paper, this looks right. On paper, we can save this amount. On paper, we could do this. God would say, give me that paper. The same way he spoke to me, he said, Joel, that's a good plan. But let me give you God's plan. I feel like there's a window of opportunity for you that God would say, you can move your business out of state and it would be good because God's that good. But God would say if you would rise up, mighty woman, mighty man of God, and commit to making a difference right where he's placed you, watch how God opens up doors for you in the future that you yourself would not have believed. We thank you, Jesus, for new ideas. God, I pray for creative vision over the business owners in our community. God, I pray for new ideas for managers and shift leads. God, I pray for new ideas for more efficient ideas, that ideas that could only come from the throne room of God. Man, if the most creative being in the universe lives inside of us, man, we should have the best ideas in our business. God, we pray for new business ideas and open doors in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, could you close your eyes? And church, could you all lift up your hands? I think there's something powerful when we recognize the presence of Jesus. There's something powerful when we recognize that he's in the room. Come on, doors are open. Miracles are unlocked. Prayers are answered in his presence. Come on, church, can you lift your hands? Can we sing this chorus together? Come on, church, let's sing it out. Shaking all that time, we'll live again. Oh, 
you are big enough to conquer. And God, we are asking that you would help us to trust in you. God, won't you remind your kids that, hey, son, hey, daughter, I know you're overwhelmed. I know, I know the call feels big. I know it feels risky, but you are built for this. You are built for this. Man, I believe God would want to speak to some of you today. Mm, man, the same way that he got a hold of me, that summer I turned 18, I made a decision to step out and take a risk and say, okay, God, it's risky to give up my own plans, but I want all of you. I want all your plans for my life. I want everything that you have in store for me. If you're in here and you feel like, man, I don't, I don't know what that's like to be partnered with something bigger than myself. I don't know what it's like to have that kind of faith, to have that kind of belief that I can do all things. With every eye closed, come on, could you, could you honor the moment? With every eye closed, I believe there's people in here that are gonna make a decision that says, hey, today is the day that I'm gonna partner with God. Today is the day that I truly make him Lord over my life. Today is the day that when I step out to do risky things for God, when I can, when I set out to do hard things, when I set out to accomplish those dreams and those goals, I'm no longer doing it alone, but I'm doing it partnering with the King of Kings. You're in here and you've never made that decision and you know, you know that you know, today is your moment. Or maybe you're like, you're like me. You have a story like I do where I grew up in church. But I resonate with even like what Chloe said in our My Story. I didn't have that intimacy with God. Man, man, God was mom and dad's God. That was mom and dad's choice. But it wasn't until I made my own choice and I came back to him. I said, you know what, God, I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of running from you in the house. I'm tired of being so close in a church setting but not really knowing who you are personally. If that's you, you're in this room and you want to make that decision to say, God, I don't know you, but today I want to. Or you've known him at one point. Come on, like my story. But today is the day where you want to come back into his kingdom. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you. Come on, we want to celebrate you. And I want to know who I'm praying for. It's my honor to introduce you to my best friend. So if that's you and today's the day you want to make a decision for God, come on, I want you to put your hand up on the count of three. One, that's awesome. I see a hand up already. Two, come on, every hand that's supposed to go up, go ahead and go up. Three, that's me. Keep it up. I see one. I see two. That's awesome. I see three, four. Come on, keep it up. Church, you can clap. I see five. I see six. I see seven. I see eight. Praise God. Go ahead and put your hands down. Nine. Thank you, sir. Go on. Go put your hands up. Church, can you close your eyes? Man, God is so sweet. He's so kind. You know, some of you, I said this earlier, but you had that excuse of like, nah, I missed it. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm too old or I'm, I'm, I'm too advanced in years or I, I didn't hit that window of the call of God or I'm too far away from God. And you knew you were supposed to raise your hand, but you didn't. This is God showing you that you didn't miss it. That he's willing to slow, slow the bus down to let you get back on. So there were, nine, there were nine people that raised their hand, but I believe there's more. Keep your eyes closed. I remember hearing this from Pastor Mark a couple of years ago. 
uh, he was talking about, you know, those, uh, uh, those old GPSs in your car when you use the GPS on your phone and you use the voice activated feature. If you make a wrong turn, uh, it, it doesn't crash the GPS. The GPS simply reroutes. And it says that phrase, it says rerouting, rerouting. If you feel like you missed it, you missed that turn, you missed that opportunity, you missed that window with your life, God would say, I'm not through with you yet. We're just rerouting. We're just rerouting. Come on, church, with every eye closed, man, this is, this is why we do what we do. This is why we set up these chairs. This is why we work so hard. Because the same way God got a hold of my life, he wants to get a hold of your life. With every eye closed, if you were supposed to raise your hand, but you didn't, I'm going to ask you to raise on the count of three. There were nine people before. This is, this is a new group of people. I didn't raise my hand, but I was supposed to. God is so kind to slow the bus down and let you get back on. Come on, one, that was me. I want to raise my hand. I want to make that decision. Two, come on, hands going up right now. Three, three. I didn't raise my hand, but I was supposed to. I see one. That's incredible. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? We'll wait for you. Come on, church, you can clap. That's amazing. Thank you, sir. Go ahead and put your hands down. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. Even that gentleman, you just, you were the last one to lift your hands. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna look at you or point you out because I believe that the Holy Spirit has something special for you. God wanted to tell you, come on, even before we pray this prayer together, that he has big dreams in store for you, that he has big desires for your life. And I even see, like, it's similar to my story. You, you have a plan written out that has your name on it and said, man, oh, yeah, I did it. This is a good plan. I moved stuff around. I've shifted priorities. This is a good plan. And God would say, why don't you hand that over and watch God's plan blow your mind. Watch the doors that he opens up for you, sir, after you've made this decision. Watch after you partner with him. This is going to be a season not absent of work. This is going to be a season of work partnering, partnering with God because with him all things are possible. He has a special plan for you. He knows the plans that he has for you, says Jeremiah 29 11. He has pulled you up out of the mud. He has cleaned you off and said, watch what we can do as we work together. God, you have, I thank you. I thank you for that, ma'am. I think you have a special call, special call in his life. In Jesus' name. Come on, that's just for you. That's just for you. And God, God loves you. He's so proud of you. Church, can we all close our eyes and say this prayer together? Come on, say this together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it one more time. Say, dear Jesus, we're asking you to come into our life. We're asking you to remind us that we are built for this. God, we want to be partnered with you. We pray that you would lead us and guide us to accomplish all the things that you have for us. We love you, Jesus. Come on, and everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can you guys give a big hand clap for Jesus right now? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.